Women Make Waves is an NC Fit podcast. Woo! Welcome back to the Women Make Waves podcast. I am so fired up about today's episode. Laura, Ariel, and I are sitting down with Kelly Tennant and get ready because it gets steamy. Kelly is Oh my God, I don't even know where to start. Kelly is a force. Kelly is fierce. Kelly is a sexual goddess. Okay, let that just sink in for a second. She is helping women and men really step into their divine feminine, step into what makes them fierce and courageous and vulnerable all at the same time. Kelly shares what this process was like for her and why her personal experience sets her up in just a way that she can really hold space and create a beautiful container for others to explore themselves, their sexuality, and their authenticity. If you're interested in working with Kelly, we went ahead and linked all the ways that you can get connected with her in the show notes. And if you're already in the show notes, go ahead and leave the show a five-star rating and review. This really, really helps us continue to get guests, continue to climb the charts, and make Women Make Waves a podcast that is here to stay. Enjoy. Kelly Tennant is in the house. I'm so excited to have you here. Um, So welcome back to the show, guys. We are sitting down with one of my closest friends, someone that I'm lucky enough to call a friend, Kelly Tennant. And we'll get into it in the show, but just watching and sitting on the sidelines and observing the person that she continues to become and the inspiration that she is in the world has done so much for my life. And I'm so excited for you guys to get to listen to her and have her touch your hearts too. So what's up, Kel? Oh, thanks, Lance. I love you. Um, I'm so happy to be here with you. It's so fun when you can gather with a group of women and just be real. And I, uh, I started a new sisterhood circle because I have one with 12 women and we started another one with 12 other women. And it's so funny because everyone was really nervous because when you walk into a group of women, I think that we probably can all agree that you have these preconceived ideas of what it's going to be like, because when you were seven, it was very clear of what it was going to be like. Like, you know, this girl was a bitch. This one didn't want you to play with her ball. This one was judging your little skirt, like whatever it was. And so as adult women, you walk into a group and you're like, oh dear God, what am I walking into? And it's so amazing when everyone just drops those barriers and those blocks. And it's like, oh, we get to just hang out and see each other and just be together. And it's so transformative and so beautiful. And so I love that you have a show with three hosts and all women. It just brings me a lot of joy. (laughs) We have talked about that so much that like we just launched Women Make Waves. So hence this podcast and the campaign that NC Fit has been doing. And we all kind of explained what strength was to us, what courage was to us, what it meant to make waves. And a lot of us had that same realization. Like, I think Ariel cried most of the campaign. Like, oh. Laura, like, because all of us were just like, there's not very much time where we celebrate how awesome women are and how incredible it is when we collaborate together. And mm-hmm. like, what's that quote about like, queens fix each other's crowns or yes. whatever it is? <laughs> Love it. It's like so cliche, but I love it. (laughs) Oh, I think it's amazing. I'm so proud of all of you for doing this. Thank you. That's the perfect way to ask then. How are you making waves, Miss Kelly? Oh, great question. Um, 
Sexuality is such a huge piece for me right now. And it's funny because I never thought I would be talking about sex in my whole life. I posted something yesterday about how recently I keep hearing that I'm a sex goddess. And it's funny to me to hear that from someone else who I'm engaging in relations with because I was always the girl with the stick up my ass. I was always like so type A, so perfectionist, could not go with the flow because I didn't even know what the flow was. That was like a a word in Chinese to me. I'm like, yeah, I don't get it. And it's just been a really interesting couple years in my relationship of finding myself and allowing myself to be revealed to myself. There's this quote that my therapist gave me from A Course in Miracles about it's basically like when your identity collapses and you're, everything has fallen apart and you no longer attach to this thing, that is when you will be revealed to yourself rather than going out and searching and trying to find it and piecemeal it together and forcing it and making it happen. And so that's really where I've been over the last year and a half um, with my sexuality is like, okay, but if this identity of who I was no longer works for me, no longer makes sense, then what am I making the space for now? And so, so much of that felt like this shattering, but within the shattering was the ability to be more curious and ask better questions of myself and say, if I'm not living for everyone else, if I'm not trying to live up to an expectation or to achieve this thing or to get the gold fucking star, what does that mean for me? What do I get to have? Who do I get to be? And I believe that sexuality and spirituality and where they intersect has really been the catalyst for my big awakening. And it's really been sexuality that has allowed my spiritual opening to happen and to feel more connected to myself and to my truth. And, you know, I go pretty woo. So if I'm talking about, you know, channeling angels and guides and all of that, I think that that was able to happen because of a sexual awakening of just connecting back to my own feminine and my own knowing and trusting myself for the first time. I never trusted myself. So all that to say, I think I'm making waves in the way I show up in the world as someone who is in a heteronormative relationship who plans to get married and have babies and do the house and, you know, have a company together and have the dogs and also has this deep love and desire to be with women. And that just doesn't happen. It's, it's this gray area that I'm living in where most of us, and I, I know all of you resonate because we talked earlier, it's like, well, it has to be this way or that way. And what if, as women, we do get to have it all? What if I get to have an incredible partner, husband, and have a quote-unquote normal life with him, and also we do something together, and maybe I'm alone with women as well. And so I get this deep desire and need and fulfillment from that piece while also having this life, and that it's not limited and then it's not restrictive, but it's really expansive and open. And within that, who do I get to become? Who do I get to allow myself to blossom into? And what else is possible for me when I am truly living a life that is not restricted? And it's not just about sex. Sex happens to be what I believe the catalyst for so much of this, even just with yourself and being sensual and connected to your own body. But it's about every part of your life. 
It's like, if you can fuck your life open in the bedroom, how can you fuck your life open everywhere? And then what's possible from that? Love that so much. I think that's such a strong point to me that like, it doesn't just have to be sex, right? Like this is how you do anything is how you do everything. So if you are closed off, if you are timid, if you are not exploring yourself in the bedroom, then like, where else are you not doing that for yourself? And I love that that is your starting place because for a lot of people, they see it and they're like a little scared, right? Like it's a little bit of an intimidating place to start. And if you start there, it's so empowering. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think too, what I'm noticing is um, most women believe that sexual liberation is for the fairies who go to Burning Man, who don't care about anything, who have nothing to worry about. And they're like, and this is, this was my belief too. So I get it. But it's like, oh, that's for her. That's not for me. And the women that I am getting constantly messaged by and questioned by are like top level executives and CEOs and badass bitches who are making millions and millions of dollars a year, who have the life, who have the attention, who have all these success points. And they're like, wait a second, I can have this too? Because I was a TV host doing the normal thing, like getting a paycheck through, you know, corporate America and doing it. And they see me now and they're like, wait a second, you're like that and you can have that? What does that even mean? And so I think that's where it really comes forward of this questioning of, no, it's not just for the fairies who don't care about anything. Like, that's amazing. And I'm glad that they've inspired us that we can have it all. But like, it's for us too. You can be high achieving, successful, badass woman and also be a fucking tigress in the bedroom and feel liberated and free to share your desires. There's nothing wrong with that. And it's not a uh, this or that. It's an and conversation. It's such an incredible point you make. I think so many of us put us put ourselves in those black and white, those boxes, when life is is this like beautiful spectrum of gray and all of the colors. And I'm really curious how you started with your transformation. Like if you're saying you were that girl who's type A perfectionist, how did you go from from there to where you are now? Great question. How much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um I will I will try and get it all in a short amount of time. So I had started questioning my value and worth when I was working in TV. I worked in sports. I was like the only girl, all men, very, you know, masculine energy. And I always believed, oh, I'm just like the hot chick. And they want to talk to me because they think I'm attractive and I'm nice to them and I play their game. And I just started questioning what that was and who am I without this? And I was, I don't know, 27. 28, I'm 33 now. And I just started looking at, okay, well, this, does this make sense? I went to USC. I was a top five player in the country. I was co-captain of the volleyball team that went to the final four. I have an incredible degree of communications from a top school. I'm not an idiot. So I do know that about myself. And I know that I have all these capabilities as a human. Why is this the only thing? And so that's what really started it for me. And then I left my career and I left my relationship and that's when everything opened for me. I did my first ayahuasca journey and I started getting pieces of the puzzle brought together. 
It was like, oh, this is what's possible. Oh, this is, this makes sense now. All these things that I just didn't understand about myself. And I started to open up to what is available to me when I let go. This idea of surrendering came forward. I white knuckled everything my whole life and I was so controlling and I needed to know everything and I had to be ahead of it and I needed to have a plan and it had to look a certain way. Otherwise I would have a meltdown. My mom would always tell this story about me being little She would make me sandwiches and I would literally fall apart at the table if the sandwich didn't stay together properly. That's how insane it was. And I felt like I was a failure and something was wrong if a sandwich fell apart in front of me. And so you can just imagine what happened when like things actually went wrong in life and I would lose my mind. And so I realized that I had this deep level of surrender I had to go to. And I needed to let go of toxic things and beliefs and stuff that wasn't mine and the people pleasing. And so much of my life was just trying to make my parents proud and live out their narrative. And I just started seeing all of it in plant medicine journeys, in meditation, in working with coaches and facilitators. And I just dove deep. And Lindsay knows this about me. I move really fast. I will be a different person tomorrow than I am today. It's just how I operate. I'm like steamrolling through life usually. And so it's just a lot that has happened in a short amount of time, but I embraced it and I, I just got to the point where I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, I don't know how the fuck I got here and something has to change. Yeah. I know that it's, it's so hard to lean into that feminine energy or the surrendering or the receiving, especially because when we live in our masculine, right? Like whether that's because you are matching the energy in the room or for me, it was really hard for me to, to lean into the feminine because I was so successful in the masculine. Like shit got done. I made good money. People respected me. I sat at the quote unquote boys table, right? All of these things happened. So how did you start to bridge those worlds? Because it's, for me, it's so hard to get out of my own way when I'm like, but wait, what I'm doing is working to an extent. Mm -hmm. I was just so exhausted, Linz. Like I got to a point where I was, I was just really like, this doesn't work. This isn't sustainable. I'm just, I'm just plain exhausted. The constant go, go, go grind achiever just fell apart. And I knew that there had to be something else. And I don't think, I don't think I'm great at this. Just to be totally honest, I'm not going to pretend like I'm an expert at fucking balancing the masculine and feminine energy. Um, I definitely operate more in the masculine still. But what I have found is that I have taken baby steps to learn to trust myself in the feminine. And I run a, a media company and it requires a lot of me. And when we first started it, so much of it was about achievement and exterior validation. I really wanted to make my mom proud. And so I wanted it to look a certain way so that she would give me her stamp of approval. And then she died seven months after we launched. And I was like, oh, okay, well, what am I doing if I don't need my mommy to tell me that I'm doing a good job? And I know that sounds kind of morbid to people. Um, but that was a huge turning point for me because then I was really able to just be present in the business and say, well, why am I doing this? What is my intention? And where can I let go a little bit? And that's when I started really infusing that feminine allowance and flow and trusting my intuition. 
And so now I just don't freak out about things and I don't micromanage things. And I let people wait a month to have an analysis call with me because I don't fill my days with eight hours of back-to-back calls trying to prove anything to anyone. It's like, no, I don't work on Fridays after 12 and um, we take trips every couple weeks and like I'm just unavailable and I am being with myself or I am, you know, doing mushrooms or I am in the mountains with my dogs, whatever that is. And I just started to learn that the business can actually be incredibly successful without me micromanaging it and being the center of its universe and just letting go a little bit. And I think that practice every single day for me, which it really does feel like a practice, um, has allowed me to rewrite that narrative in my head that, oh, it doesn't have to look this way. Even when you step back, even when you take yourself out of certain scenarios, the business actually grows and is more successful because it's not completely reliant on you and you're not just forcing things in a lot of ways. This is such a huge conversation because, uh, well, Lindsay and Laura know, but I'm also growing a business right now. And this has been such a big conversation in my own life. And then the people that I talk to that are also growing businesses, because it can be really easy. Like it's your baby, right? Like you want to control it. You want to be reliant. Like you want to be the thing because it feels good to be the thing that keeps it going. And it can be really hard to let that go because then it's like, well, without that, who am I? So how did you maybe, I guess, navigate that, those waters of like, okay, well, I don't actually need to be in it for it to grow. I can actually like work on myself instead. It's such a good question. I'm glad you bring this forward. And yeah, I think so many of us struggle with this. And what I was thinking about while you were talking about it, like, it's my baby. Of course, I want to control it. But if this was a human baby, would I want to control it? If this is my partner, do I want to control them? I don't. I believe in sovereignty, but I didn't always. I believed that I owned everyone and everything. I owned Connor when we first started dating. I owned the business. I own this. I own that. You are mine. I tell you what to do. And if you don't operate the way I want, fuck you. Okay, but if you got to a point where you looked at things as sovereign beings, even your business, and you allowed it to organically develop, if you allowed it to flow the way it wants to rather than the way you have decided it's supposed to, what's possible? When I started Soulfire, it was only a production company. It was like, we edit podcasts. Now, we, because I let go of what my expectation and vision was, and I said, I am open to this becoming what it is meant to become, we, do, we put on live retreats for our hosts. We just signed on to do a docu-series. We do uh, a ton of video content that was never a part of when we launched. And we have more and more people coming to us asking us to do things that we have never done before. And if I held on to the structure and the idea of what it was meant to be, that would never be possible in our world. And we make way more money because of it. We're more successful. And I didn't go seek it out or try or force it. I just, it just came. It literally came into my lap and was like, here. And the funny thing is, I have always wanted to produce docuseries. That was my dream when I used to work in television. 
And I'm like, exactly. If you let go of what you think it's supposed Everybody to look like, because it doesn't no. ever actually turn out the way you think it's going to, pretty much no. Maybe it does in a different version. And maybe the journey looks different getting to that destination, but it's never exactly the way you think because it's not supposed to be. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. And I wanted to touch on because when you started talking about releasing expectation, that's something that comes up for so many people everywhere in their life, right? Like we want to just white knuckle everything. We want to control people. So we people please. We want to control situations. So we like do everything we possibly can to make it like be in our favor, even if it's not supposed to. And I think that that idea of just releasing the expectation of what it can look like, it's not just great in terms of like the opportunity that comes out of that, because it's always going to be different than what you think. It's also just such a powerful way for you to actually enjoy all of the experiences you have in life, because you're not expecting it to go a certain way. By the way, control is an illusion. Like, what do you actually have control over? What the fuck are we trying to control? I wish someone had told me when I was two, like, hey, you're never going to have control. Like, you can be in action for yourself and you can make choices, but you can't control Susie and you can't control this and this is going to happen and just fucking let it go. But we have this so deeply ingrained in us that we have control over things. It's like, that's not how this works. Like, Connor could leave me tomorrow. I don't have control over that. So am I not supposed to like have fun and do cool things and try stuff with him and trust him and let him go? Like hoping that if I do all this stuff and try and control him and hold on that he won't leave me. No, he could change tomorrow and be like, you know what? Like I just need to go do this thing and this is different and blah, blah, blah. I don't have control over that. I don't own him. You know, he, same thing for me. This is kind of a running joke, but like, what if I decide I just want to be a full-on lesbian and it's not good enough to have threesomes? Yeah, I mean, Lindsay's my first call. But like, what if I want to do that and I choose, you know, I don't want to be with you anymore. And the fact that he gave me so much freedom in our relationship and encouraged me to explore and be, you know, be curious and all of that, is he supposed to be upset? Like he owned me and then I bailed on him when I had a realization about myself where, oh, actually, like I just want to be with women. No, it's like, this is what life is. And you get to give each other freedom and you get to provide an open space and of course, respect and boundaries and all that. So, but if you just think about that in every context of your life, you'd be so much happier and so much more free and things are going to happen regardless. And I learned that last year. My mom died, our puppy was killed in an accident, and then I lost my relationship with my dad. Literally within six months, all three of those things happened. All worst case scenario possibilities happened. And what I realized is that I can't control anything. Like those things happened. Divine timing, meant to be, whatever you want to call it, they happened. And then it was on me to respond and learn those lessons and move forward. But I can't, it doesn't matter what I would have done. My mom was going to die of cancer. I, I couldn't have predicted that the puppy would have gotten hit by a car and I couldn't have predicted what my dad did. So I just lived my life and trusted myself and did what I did and then let the chips fall where they may. I am kind of going out on a limb here, but I think that it so beautifully works with exactly what you were talking about at the beginning of the podcast. Like 
I know myself included, I can just speak from my own experience, like any sexual encounter I ever had, like I wanted it to look perfect. I wanted it to like, the candles were right here and my body looked like this and right, like we can get so into our heads. And so I'm loving the parallel between letting kind of like this journey that you're going on with sex and sexuality almost be a part of that practice of learning how to let go and lean into the flow and to all of these other things in your life. Yeah, I think the best nights that I've ever had in sexual experiences are the ones where I let go and I don't have to be in control. I wrote a post uh, um, yesterday or whatever, and it was all about how I get a lot of joy out of watching other people's pleasure. And that's not something that I allowed myself to do before. And when I, when I am the quote-unquote sexual goddess, I am in flow. I move freely. I don't think. It's not clunky. It just kind of happens because I'm so present and I'm so in it that I can enjoy someone else's pleasure. I can be present for that. I can stop thinking about what if this happens and then, oh my God, he seems really into it. That means he loves her and he's going to leave me. Like I can just let go of all of these like crazy thoughts in my head and let myself be with it. And even you know, being tied up or things where I make me feel out of control, I actually find so much joy in now because there's this, in my body, it feels like this kind of freedom that I never allowed myself to have. And when I allow myself to have that kind of freedom, when I am pushing edges like really hard, well, what does that look like in every other aspect? And that keeps me from freaking out and trying to control and do all this stuff in you know, normal life when I have clothes on because I know that, oh, well, I pushed to that edge or I pushed that boundary and it felt incredible. So how can we recreate that everywhere? Yeah. And I love that you keep bringing it back to the posts that you're making because I'm really curious about how you can be on social media, which is such like we all know can be such a toxic place. And you're always sharing like DMs that you get from other women that are like, thank you. Thank you for saying this. I didn't know that this was possible. I didn't know that there was a space for me to be quote unquote normal, whatever normal means, and have these fantasies and have these desires. So thank you for normalizing that. And I just had an experience this morning um, on a live feed with somebody that has a big following and the comments immediately turned into like, let's have sex. Like, are you single? All of these things. So how do you balance having social media being the toxic, gnarly place that it can be to be an attractive woman on social media with stepping into this sexual liberation and being like this sexual goddess? Yeah. Great question. Um, well, two things come to mind. The first thing is that I feel like I am lying if I don't share the things I share. And I know that I'm not, and I know that I don't owe anyone anything. And I know that it's not my job to tell you the intimate details of XYZ. And yet at the same point, I spent so much of my life putting on a mask and showing the version of you I wanted you to see that it literally brings me pain to not be that radically honest. 
So for me, it is therapeutic in a way. And it also, I just feel wrong if I'm not super vulnerable. It just doesn't feel good to me. And so I allow myself to go there regardless of what the repercussions are. So that's part one. Part two is I lived so much of my life getting these fucking comments. It literally doesn't even phase me anymore, which is probably not a healthy thing. (laughs) I think about it, but I mean, I had, if you think I spent like 12 or 13 years in sports, um, with access to you name it, I know them. I have talked to them. I have messaged them. I have interviewed them. And the amount of please come to my hotel room. I want to fuck you. Go on this vacation with me. I'm not going to talk to you unless you do this with me. It, it just goes on and on and on. And so I just got really good at sort of not letting it affect me and taking it personally. And I think it's really funny when people you know, share fetishes with me about how much they love my feet, which I think my feet are disgusting. So it just makes me laugh. I'm like something about sucking my toes. I'm like, you really don't want my toes in your mouth. Um, But I just get to a point where I'm like, this is funny. And I also feel that I don't attract that energy anymore. So I still have a very large male following. 65% of my following is male still. And I've worked really hard to get that female following up to 30 something percent because when I started, when I left TV, I had 12% female. So it has been a labor of goddamn love. And what I notice is that guys will tell me, oh, you're hot. You're so sexy. You're so beautiful. I love you. And that's fine. I mean, that doesn't, I mean, am I going to get mad about that? But actually, it's a lot of those men who used to objectify my body and follow me because I was the host of the Lakers and the Dodgers. And those are the ones coming forward. Like, I just uh, purchased your Unleash Your Goddess workshop for my wife, and I'm so excited that you're doing this work. It is so amazing to watch you share yourself. Or um, I had a guy that I used to work with who um, used to do audio for me, and he messaged me and said, Kelly, thank you so much for being so honest. I've never told anyone this, but I'm bisexual and I don't know how to talk about it. And because you've been open, I've been able to find this within myself. And so I just feel like the men that are toxic kind of fall away. And the ones that get it are coming forward with these really beautiful self-realizations and are really supportive. I get messages every day. I miss you on Lakers, but I'm so happy that you're happy now. It's like. That's just the energy of my environment at this point, and it feels really nice. I think a really interesting part of that is, like, you you get back what you put out, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you attract what you put out. And if you're putting out a specific type of energy because you're being true to yourself and you're being – Um, you're acting in alignment with, you know, how you want to feel and how you want to show up. That's going to attract those people, right? And there's always going to be trolls on social media. I think it's like kind of impossible to avoid them. Um, And it's so powerful to just really know and trust that you are putting out your, the energy that you want to put out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. So have you found any, because this can be such a like long, arduous process, like have you found any things that work for you in terms of how to put out the energy that you want to attract? Like how did you find that specific energy 
in the first place? It's an interesting question. Um, I just like followed my intuition. Honestly, I, I, I'm a really big body feel person because I was such a heady person for so long. And I, when I first started in this, you know, awakening process, if you will, I, I really got good at understanding what things felt like. And when I was escaping and when I was going back to my head and when something felt like a yes and expansive and when something felt like a no and contracting. And I lived with chronic illness for 15 years. And so it was really important for me to be in my body and to feel these things in order to address them um, because I, I had been fighting with my body for so long. So I think that when you know what something feels like truly, when you can quiet the noise and just be with yourself and hear or feel or listen and your body tells you what that will look like. And so that is my guiding force. I, when things are hard and I have to try, I'm in my head. Like it's very clear to me now. When things flow, even if they're challenging, like if I'm pushing an edge or trying something new and it's like, oh God, it's still flowing because I'm allowing that. I'm consciously allowing that. It feels very different than I'm making this thing happen. And so I just always come back to, okay, if I can get quiet with myself, what does this feel like? How am I meant to show up? And for me, it's so much of what I write and share is channeled through me and feels very clear and very divine. And I don't question it. And I microdose mushrooms and LSD and so much of what comes through me is in those experiences. And that is when I have no doubt. I'm very clear. I'm like, this is what we're doing. This is how it feels. There's, it, it, it clears my channel so that I am not focused on, well, I think this, or I'm supposed to do this. It just negates all of that. It's like, this is what it feels like. Go. And that has trained me that when I'm not microdosing, my body now knows what that feeling is that I can recreate. Um, so does that make sense? Is that answering your question? Yeah, it does. Okay. I think it can be so hard for people to, like me included, right? Like to take yourself out of your head and into your body. And I think that's such an important place to be able to like find your actual feelings and like how you want to feel and how you want to show up because it can be really easy for someone to go about their life and say, you know, well, I don't know how to do that. Like, I don't know how to get into my body. So I'm just going to continue to think, um, to be in my head and to, to continue about my life that way, because like, that's just how it is for me. And it's just really powerful to think of it in this way of, well, if I'm not in my body, then I'm not actually making decisions that are aligned with me, right? Like I'm literally just throwing spaghetti at the wall and hoping that it sticks. Like that's my favorite saying because it's so silly, but it's, that's what we do if we're not connecting with our body. Well, and I think the way you even phrase it, I think words matter. So you're talking about it in a very masculine doing way. I, I don't remember exactly what you said, but it's basically like put myself in my body. 
do this, try that, make it happen. And it's like, no, but you don't put yourself in your body. You drop into your body. You move from your head into your heart, into your womb space, if you're a woman, and you flow down into yourself. You settle into yourself. There is no forcing in that experience. And I think that's where people like us get tripped up because you think, well, let me just do this thing. Like that's how it works. And it's like, well, that's not actually how it has to be. It's it's an understanding of what allowance and flow is, which is a foreign concept. I said that in the beginning. It's a practice. That's why I don't call this the work. I did the fucking work. I made a lot of money. I reached the pinnacle. I had the big girl job. And that was the work. And I was fucking miserable and sick. So now I call it the practice. And my practice every day is learning to sit with the discomfort of new experiences, not making myself try things and doing. And so if you can be in the practice of, okay, what does it feel like? to settle into my body. And if I can't settle into my body because it's like erratic or chaotic or I don't feel safe, asking questions around why do I not feel safe? Where is this lack of safety coming from? Because most of us don't feel safe in our body. So of course we're going to be constantly met with a challenge over and over again. I don't want to drop in because I was sexually assaulted and I believe that it's not safe to be in my body, for an example. So doing the work around the work, being in practice around that with someone to facilitate that experience for you of how you can drop in and create safety within your body and your environment and your experience is a huge part of this. I don't want to skip over what you just said about um, being there with someone that can facilitate that for you, like having that support and allowing yourself to have that support. And I think that's something that we women and men too, like we are genuinely afraid to just ask for that help of like, Hey, I, I could really use support around this practice. Um, and I think that's a really big point to make is that this isn't just for women. Like women aren't the only ones that need to be in a feminine energy, Mm -hmm. right? Like everyone steps into their masculine, everybody flows into their feminine and it's, it's a, practice, like you say, like it is all just continuously a practice of understanding when both have their place, because it's not like the masculine is bad and terrible. And like, we don't want to have it. Like we need that part of us and we spend the majority of our life there. So what if we kind of filled the cup of our feminine as well? Well, Um, it goes to the conversation around reparenting and healing the mother wound. So You're exactly right. For Connor, a huge part of our relationship is me holding him physically and emotionally. And in that holding, seeing him because Connor wasn't held and seen. And so just the way I show up for myself and reparent all of my stuff with my mom and bring in more feminine with my sisters and my therapist and my healers and all of that, I am also holding the space to hold him to create that feminine consistency and softening in his life. There is an imbalance for all of, for I wouldn't say all of us, but for many of us, that there is just more masculine. That's just the Western world operates in that. And yes, for men and women, 
It is allowing this feminine. And the more I soften, the more I am able to hold for him. And it is much less of a struggle. When I show up in my masculine to battle his masculine, you can only imagine how lovely that experience is. Lindsay gets the call because I'm like, guys, please save our relationship, be our therapist. Because we're both dicks to each other because we have similar wounding and we show up in this well, fuck you, fuck you. You don't understand. Why don't you see me? We turn into like angry kids. But when I soften, it allows him to soften. And then we have a conversation and then we both feel seen and held. And at the end of the day, that's all any of us wants. I love that so much. And it can be such a um, hard concept for people to grasp. Like I can't, if I don't defend, like if I don't come from like a defensive place, then there actually can be solution. There actually can be like the space to come together. And I think that's a part of relationships that can be really hard is like not matching the person's energy. Like sometimes you have to be able to to be the one that softens. Like it, that doesn't mean losing, right? And I think that this is kind of like this weird dichotomy that we have in relationships right now is like, we want to be, we want to win all the time. And what does it actually mean to win in this, in this concept? So I love how you're talking about like when you soften, it allows him to soften. And then you come to an agreement or you come to a solution in whatever the problem was, instead of it being this constant battle of like both of you going at each other's throats, because we do end up with people that are similar to us or like the exact opposite, but that's never going to be a good place for you to find a solution. If you're both going at each other like that. And what changed for us is that we realized we're on the same team. We're not on opposing teams. We have the exact same core values. So if you look at it that way and you make the decision, we're on the same team, then what is possible for you? And Connor and I are not always going to agree on everything. And it doesn't mean that it's even necessarily about a solution because we'll end a conversation. It's like, you're still there and I'm still here. But there is a level of empathy, compassion, and respect that is created when you just have the conversation. Because Connor, and this is the reason I am with him, this is the reason I want to kill him sometimes, is so free-spirited and so all over the place and so wild and doesn't always have a direction and all of these things. And that is who he is. Would I like for him to like maybe come towards me a little bit? Yeah, that'd be great. But also, I'm the one that he chose for a reason because I am organized and have my shit together and I plan and I take care of stuff. And so I'm moving closer to him and he comes closer to me, but we're, we're pretty much going to be here on opposite sides. And that's why we chose each other. But if we can have a conversation that is productive, what do we always say? We fight forward. Like if we can fight forward and have understanding then it's okay that we're still on opposite sides. We see each other and we respect that thing about each other because that's why we chose to be together. It's such a powerful thread that I feel like has been in this whole conversation about just like relinquishing that control and relinquishing a fear-based mindset almost like in your work life, in your personal life, in your relationship, in your body, like accepting yourself. 
And for the past 15 minutes, I've been <laughs> thinking about like the first time I ever sat on a boy's lap and like sitting on it and being like, okay, I weigh nothing. Like I'm, I'm like squatting over you. Do you think I'm perfect? Or like waking up the next morning and like rushing to brush your teeth because, oh my God, I can't have bad breath in the morning. And like, just like the unlearning of that narrative and, and being with somebody now who's like allowing me to be like every part of myself, um, which is an amazing facilitator to accept yourself, but it's also like you have to find that within yourself first before you can be in that relationship and like release that control and allow it to come into your life. I don't know. I might've totally rambled and, and stuff, but. <laughs> no, I think it's great. It's true. I mean, you are, our partners are our mirrors and can be our greatest teachers. And if we allow them, my, I go into fight or flight and I want to bail. So does Connor. And we have used that as weapons against each other. The, well, we should just break up or why are we together? Constant narrative. And we made a pact at the end of last year. Like we're not using this against each other anymore. It's not okay. Because what's, what's coming up is that we are our mirrors and we are challenging one another. And yeah, it's really uncomfortable. And what do we learn out of that? And if I don't run away, which is what I want to do, what's possible? Well, a lot of fucking growth and it's uncomfortable, but I get to become who I want to become through the lens of him pushing me in a loving way. And yeah, sometimes relationships can suck sometimes and it's hard and we're all doing our thing and all the things. You get it. But if you allow it to be productive, if you allow it to open yourself and you don't just bail because it gets hard one day, well, then who do you get to become? I said this, I don't know, on a podcast last year. I said, I don't want to leave Connor and someone else get the better version of me because we are in the weeds together and we are doing this together. And as uncomfortable as, as it is sometimes, I want him to have the best version of me. And I don't want to leave and think, oh, I'll go be with Joe Blow over here and I'll be better for him. Well, he didn't experience the last two years of the hardest shit of my entire life and hold me while I was crumbled on the floor, like so upset. So if I continue to stay here and show up and be in the process, he gets the best version of me. And that feels really beautiful and vice versa. I get the best version of him. I'm 99% sure that it might've been on the show we did together. That yeah. That that. <laughs> we talked a lot about Connor on your show. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think that the whole messaging around this entire show has been so, so important. And that like Ariel was saying, men and women alike are going to pull something out of this conversation. My hope is that it's like relinquish these like concept reins of control. Um, and if people want to work with you, they want to sit in your ladies circles or unleash their inner sex goddess. Where do they find you? How do they get a hold of you? Yeah, I love you, Liz. Um, <laughs> I'm at Kelly M. Tennant on Instagram, kellytennant.com. That's pretty much where you can find me. Yeah. Thank you so much, Kel.
Thank you all. You are so amazing. I'm so excited for this podcast. I love that you're doing it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.